0: Question. Hit me. Do you know what the mega thread is?
1: I kind of do. I, I I'm vaguely aware of what it is and I
0: think I hate it. You've wandered into it once before.
1: I've muted it, but somehow it keeps popping up in various ways. And then when I try to figure out what it is, I can't find that place in the thread where I muted it. Cause it was like eons ago in mega thread time. Yeah, uh, but you're gonna have to do a lot of explanation of what the heck this is and why we're involved because it's very niche. It's, it's very uh, particular. Okay, a niche so.
0: thread for a niche podcast. Mm. Uh, so we've mentioned this podcast a few times on our show. Now it's known as the uh, Weekly Sub Beacon, mm-hmm. a pop culture podcast on movies with Sonny Bunch, Jv Last, and Victorina Mattis. And we're both big fans of the podcast. And That's great. I know uh, some of the. I know JvL. Decently and everything, and I know his family, and they're great people. Anyway, so I stumbled into—I can't remember how—I stumbled into the Mega Thread. I think it was sometime in the summer uh, when I was starting to listen to the Substandard, and I said, "Wait, did I just get accepted into the Mega Thread?" So the Mega Thread started off just over a year ago. Uh, well, let's get cri- real basic, real quick. Yeah. What's a thread on Twitter? A thread on Twitter is when you have a tweet. With another tweet coming after it, and then another tweet after that, another tweet after that. There's it's no limit to conversation. Yeah. yeah, there is no limit to how many uh, tweets you can have, <laughs>
1: which is the fatal resp- flaw
0: in the system. But there is a limit to how many people can be in a thread. Oh, uh, yes, it has to be. Uh, it has to be fifty people max. If it if it gets over that, Twitter automatically just randomly removes people from a thread. Amazing. Yes. So Christopher Haberman, one of the people of the Sub Beacon expanded universe, it's a whole other thing. Just, just, just stick with me here, okay? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, he started this thread about a just over a year ago, and it just kind of morphed into this exchange of fun between people, all these people who listen to the weekly uh, Sub Beacon,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's got about fifty people. There are multiple versions of the mega thread in the sense of like, uh, there's a premium in the DMs for Ooh. exclusive members and stuff like that, <laughs> and then there's the ma- ma- regular thread, mm-hmm. and, and it's just people been going on for over a year on this one thread, on this one thread. It's this got little. Something that, that it's that neither got a little God
1: for- nor Twitter ever intended to happen. Yeah,
0: it's got little forks in the road of of like uh, like where people like there's different conversations going on at once, but it's all got the same center. Mhm. Last week our podcast uh cuz many of the people who listen to the substandard cuz I'm part of the SBE or sub, a subbeacon, I'm part of mm-hmm. the SBEU. Okay. I'm a, I'm a member of premium.
1: <laughs> this is this is so nerdy. <laughs> this is so nerdy. Uh
0: we they a lot of them listen to our podcast that's cool yeah and they are more awesome. people should do that by the way more people should do that and they're yeah. great people and I love them dearly they must and be I, good people if they listen to us so. exactly and a lot not even are all Catholics and they like our podcast and it's great yeah uh, our the mega thread jumped into our podcast essentially terrifying and our podcast yourself myself got tagged in something and then other members of the sub beacon expanded universe started to filter in and now we have our own mega thread that's amazing. So that's it's a place so if you're a true fan, yeah, you gotta go. I will I'll even get our Twitter account to retweet when this drops, All the right. last part of the Mega Thread. So if you want to jump in and be part of the uh, clerically speaking, expanded universe. So the C S E U, uh, you can join the Mega Thread. So that's I mean, that's when we'll
1: know if our podcast has really made it big if someone makes a podcast commenting on our podcast absolutely right? that's exactly. when we know <laughs> cuz hey, yes and don't and don't you know don't uh, if you're going to do it do it well don't yes. just jump into this willy nilly guys it has to be like a real thing or don't because do it at all
0: that's yeah for those who don't know the subbeacon has a podcast that's kind of morphed out of it's kind of commenting on the podcast it's
1: that called the, the weekly the most-
0: subbeacon subbeacon expanded universe podcast
1: it's the most decadent example of the <laughs> podcast culture. It's disgusting. God
0: never meant this to be. And it's awesome and it's hilarious. We man. are uh, None of us are without sin. No. Is... <laughs> and, I, and for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, God bless you. You can start now. Welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. <laughs> I'm Father Anthony Sharapa. <laughs> oh my goodness. But here's the thing.
1: Uh, I'll notice this will happen on the Catholic Twitters every once in a while. People will say, hey, I need to listen to a new podcast. Mm -hmm. And do you have any suggestions? And everyone will always recommend, like, a bunch of Catholic podcasts. And I have nothing – I'm, like, I'm not mad about Catholic podcasts. You really only need to listen to one, and it's this one. So, like, there are other good podcasts out there. So one of the ones I'm a big fan of, I've been a fan of for a while, thanks to Father Alec Schrenk, is the Stuff You Should Know podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Not Catholic stuff you should know. They're fine, but this is just stuff you should know, and so you can learn like stuff, anything from, um, like Chernobyl to toilet paper. Mm-hmm. They just do podcasts on various different stuff mm-hmm. things, and it's great. And sometimes the most boring sounding ones are the ones that are most interesting. Hmm. So that's a good one. I'm listening to one, um, on the Zodiac Killer. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Um, that's called Monster. Uh, cool. what else is not good one? Do you listen out. to anything other than uh, The Sub Beacon And our own podcast Father Harrison
0: uh, I have I, I've been a little bit behind lately But I do also listen to The Good Place podcast There's a Good Place podcast? Yes Run by NBC And they uh. Comment on And it's different people have cast Talking about different things About the show in general But also about a particular episode mm-hmm. So there's one podcast For every episode that's been out <laughs> um, I listen to a few Catholic podcasts I kind of Meander I like if i find something i'm interested in lately i've been listening to more a lot more audiobooks too when i when i have a long drive a podcast one podcast isn't enough yeah um and i mean i would listen to other catholic podcasts but why
1: well uh, there is one other podcast that um it's new <laughs> and i think everyone should listen to it. i think you'd really like it father Harrison. it's yeah. called the spicy nugs podcast where two priests and a dad review Wendy's items once a month <laughs> why are you, um, why are you
0: reading this like you've this is the first time you've ever heard of I, it
1: i just i stumbled upon it it's <laughs> uh-huh. i mean to be honest it's it's brilliant i, I um, don't, it's well edited it's, why would I uh, listen to
0: it? I don't have a Wendy's in my town
1: well, I think it's important to listen just because the the quality of the ten minute production is worth it all. so the uh spicy Nugs podcast check that out huh and how long yeah. did it take the editor to edit the ten minute episode? I mean. He sounds like a pro. He sounds like an expert. It, shouldn't, it would not have taken him as long as like three hours to edit 10 minutes of audio. Certainly not.
0: Certainly not. Because mm-hmm. producer Nick, it only takes him two hours to edit an entire hour.
1: It's very true.
0: Yeah. So it couldn't, yeah. Can't be that. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Well. Do you well, know who else like probably would have liked the spicy nugs? Say Thomas Aquinas.
1: <laughs> yeah, he would. Suma would like spicy nugs. <laughs> Summa Tweetologica. Summa tweet-a-logica. Summa tweet-a-logica.
0: Summa Tweet.
1: Dude, I bet Thomas Aquinas could totally house some spicy nugs. He could go to town <laughs> I'm on sure some he spicy could. nugs. I'm sure he could. So Think the, about the um, oh, how much more brilliant his thought would be if he was fueled by spicy nugs. Hmm. It would be amazing.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. The Summa Theologica was written, was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. First up, we have Brandon McKinley, at Brandon McG, and he has this to say. Replies to this tweet demonstrate just how thoroughly the logic of capitalism has supplanted the logic of the Gospels in American Catholicism. He's quoting a tweet uh, by Edward Penton that's qu- quoting the Pope. The Pope says this. Without solidarity and the common good, we witnessed the scandal of people li- living in utter destitution amid skyscrapers, grand hotels, and luxurious shopping centers. We've forgotten wisdom of the Mosaic Law. If wealth isn't shared, society is divided. And hmm. if you go down the thread, all these people saying, oh, but this is anti-capitalism. Um, and Brandon's essentially just showing us how which is, he's dead on about, I think, about this, especially in, in America, how Americanism uh, really is the central th- light through which we read the everything. Gospels, everything. Yeah, And yeah. instead of letting the Gospels read our society.
1: Absolutely. No, I very much agree. And the, the tough thing with breaking through to people on this is that they think that their interpretation of the gospels through this lens of americanism they think that's the actual gospel and it's so hard to break them out of that yeah Uh, because it's very it's it's more comfortable to to couch the gospel in these other ideas that you are more comfortable with Uh, but the gospel is never something that ever makes us comfortable it always breaks us out of ourselves and breaks us into the holy and so yeah um and it's not to say like I'm a, i am like capitalism. It's because of capitalism I have my Xbox and I get to play Fortnite every once in a while. Uh, but you can't make that everything or the center. And right. Christianity has severe critiques against unbridled capitalism. Yeah. Um, also, of course, and like settle the heck down, you yelling in your car. Yeah, against communism as well. You have mm-hmm. to. But the thing is that desire to say no this is catholic or this is that no 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 read the gospel first and let that inform your other political and economic views
0: so it's interesting i'm because i'm working on an article for uh for an, for an online magazine about this Ooh,
1: sounds fancy
0: <sighs> yeah um getting lots of writing opportunities which is kind of cool um yeah but this is are you aware of uh john courtney murray an american jesuit priest no i try to be as unaware of jesuits as i can What about St. Ignatius? Oh, I like him. That one's a good one. Uh, St. Francis Xavier.
1: The only good Jesuit is a dead Jesuit, my friend. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's mean. That's mean there are good Jesuits out there. Wow. Wow.
0: (laughs) Anyways, Father John Courtney Murray is someone, because there's two things behind us, okay? First, America develops kind of out of Christian ideals. Mm-hmm. Initially, right, Protestant Christian yeah. ideals, but Christian ideals. There we go. Yes, and, and and that Protestant work ethic and everything kind of at the heart of the whole American project. John Courtney Murray essentially tried to justify the American project using Catholic social teaching and Catholic theology and, and and some of some Thomas Aquinas stuff to mm. show how everything about what America America is kind of like the ideal society of what the Church presents the ideal modern democratic state to look like. Hmm this had widespread influence on american catholics yeah widespread to the point where it really has become that um catholicism really kind of has to tie up with our view of of the nation state and 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 our, our our kind of i'd say in this regard the conservative view of of democracy and the thing is so there's a lot of talk going on lately about like there's more and more critiques of murray's positions based on our current political climates and it's just really interesting to me because uh murray's really at the heart of the reason why we because for a long time catholics were kind of at the edge of america right yeah remember i mean when jfk ran for president people were like well he's catholic like can we trust him right right Now it's kind of... I mean, we're kind of getting there again a little bit, like the Knights of Columbus stuff, right? It's very exciting, right? Like the Knights of Columbus stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, oh my gosh, extremist organization, right? Flipping pancakes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have you met any Knight of Columbus?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But but Murray's position essentially tried to kind of quell the American reaction against Catholicism because Americans have always kind of had this hesitancy towards Catholics because they recognize that in Catholics... The state is not the absolute end of things.
1: And that's the biggest problem and the biggest temptation, I think, for Catholics in America has always been, and still is, is that there's this temptation and this desire to just be like everyone else. Mm -hmm. We just want people to like us. Yeah. And that's never been the Catholic's role in a society. Exactly. uh, You look at the early church fathers and their writings— we are we, we live as good citizens, but we also live as foreigners in our own countries. Yeah, um, we are in these countries and in these nations, but we're not of them. Exactly. But that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, because people aren't going to understand it, and we'd rather just be liked, and we'd rather just be treated nice. Yeah. Well, sorry, that's not your job as a Catholic.
0: I mean, it was it was the case in the early church that some even thought that it's um, it was immoral to be part of the army. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because that was a big push, debate, right? So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, just, this is, a. am sure this is another podcast topic. My goodness, what, I
1: know, we, we, <laughs> we've been going on this here, there's a lot here. There's a lot but, here, uh, but Brandon points out that there is a lot here. Yes, Okay. all right. This is from Father Hildebrand, and he tweets this. 10% of priesthood is doing priest stuff. 10% is preparing to do priest stuff. 80% is thinking about and assessing the risk of the unintended consequences of the previous two categories. Hmm. So I think this is a, a mild exaggeration on Father Hildebrand's uh, part. But what is Twitter for, if not for mild exaggerations? I mean, that's why you're on there. Exactly. And my exaggerations are not mild. They are epic and beautiful <laughs> and amazing. And we should also definitely blow up the moon. Okay, so uh, yeah, I, I just resonated with this because it seems like very often, especially with all the changes that are going on in in my assignments, that we spend so much time trying to think about how this is going to affect people, our decisions, yeah. or how are people going to react to this, and how can I get the most people on board, and you end up like spending so much time anxious and worried about the decisions that you have to make and that you've already made. Or for example, uh, you know, I was doing um, Ad Orientum for our college mass, and I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's a good place and time to do it. It's small scale. It's this mass that um, the parishioners don't have to go to. It's not a parish mass, Mm -hmm. um, but they're welcome to it. But there's also like this like fear of like, what are people thinking? And are they experiencing this in the right way? And there's, is there a better way I could do it? And all that, that 80% he says, which I don't think is 80%, but I think is a lot, uh, is kind of exhausting. So I mean, I'm glad he tweeted it out because Mm. the one one of the nice things about Twitter is that you know sometimes as a priest you're like, am I alone in feeling this way? Yeah. And when you get like an honest tweet from a fellow priest, you're like, oh, okay, you deal with this too. That's nice.
0: And it's it's interesting to me too because for on a few levels, like there's a very big, much big truth. Especially, I think you'll you'll notice a difference, especially when you're a pastor. You really, because you every decision you make affects everyone. Right. Right. All the time. Like, blowing up
1: the moon would affect everyone.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, we'd fall out of our orbit, and we'd probably all die. Allegedly. Huh. 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 Anyway, being a pastor, you're saying something about that? (laughs) So, it's something I'm aware of, because I I tend to not think of unintended consequences. So, I don't give too much (laughs) time to that stuff. I just like, this is a good thing to do. Let's just do it. Um, so I started to really see how I need to think about those things and to ponder and to consult and to ask people. And one thing I've learned is this, people are okay with the, that 20% and making decisions that build up that 20% today in the church, as long as we do our best to educate and inform them. Yeah. You know, I like uh, we're experimenting with a few changes in the sanctuary. I said to my people, this isn't definitive. I'm trying something out for a couple of weeks. If it works, I'll then let you know what it's all about. And I'll and I'll kind of tell you about it uh why I'm doing this. But I just want to make sure it works before you make any definitive changes because it means building something for the sanctuary. Which is fine, right? But I'm like Yeah. And if you say that, no one really seems to care or, or be or or whatever. But you have to kind of explain it to people. Yeah. Inform, inform, inform. Your parishioners are not idiots. Yeah so treat them like the adults they are good cool all right Hallie carrots at Hallie carrots Haley stewart i should say at yeah anyways <laughs> uh currently furious at everyone producing tv shows that aren't kristen laverne's laverne's daughter it is everything give us the seven season long epic series we deserve you cowards and then she has a whole list of who she thinks would be uh the, the right people to play the different characters So we were kind of, it's kind of ironic, not ironic, it's cool that we were kind of talking about this before the podcast.
1: (laughs) Oh, right, right, right. So when you first mentioned
0: this tweet, I like didn't know what you were talking about, but it's actually about the book I just started reading. Yeah. And I've been listening to it on audiobook because I have a lot of driving to do lately. So I listen to it whenever I drive. Yes. So if you're confused (laughs) by that wording, it's because it's not a good
1: American name. It's Kristen Lavin's daughter.
0: Lavin's daughter.
1: Laverne's Daughter. Laverne's daughter. daughter.
0: Because it's... So I'm about 40% through. Mm-hmm. And it may... It's, it's a massive book, folks. I think the audiobook's 42 hours long. Uh, it may be the best book I've ever read in my life. Woo! Tea with Token's not gonna like that. It's probably better than The Lord of the Rings.
1: <gasps> Sorry, Mom
0: it's really good and because you know there, there's lots of tv shows <laughs> yeah. like they've done uh pride and prejudice they've done a few um they've done a few versions of oh my gosh why did my brain just go blank evelyn Waugh's book uh bright oh, uh, *Brightside*, bright right uh... yes and that the original bbc series is the only one you should watch because it's fantastic um hmm. But, you know, there's been lots of these great novels have been made into fantastic movies sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they've been made into great miniseries or other shows. I mean, and we're doing it all the time, right? Like the more popular books of like Game of Thrones and uh, and they're making some new Tolkien book TV shows, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Let's make Chris, Kirsten, Kristen Lavin's daughter into a TV show. I yeah. am 100% all for this. Absolutely, and I want seven seasons. Right. Or, or six seasons in a movie.
1: Okay. That's the deal. You heard him, people. All right. Next, we have uh, a tweet from at Happy Seminarian. He says, hold up. I have an important question. Can I bless snowballs into holy water and throw them at demons? So this is from a seminarian. His name's Cassidy. He's a deacon now, a transitional deacon. He'll be ordained this summer. I want to say a few things about this Cassidy guy. One... One day he's gonna be a very famous priest. So I'm just I'm calling it right now. He'll be a famous priest. Two, uh, Cassidy, do not throw snowballs at demons. Because, what are you doing? You throw holy water at demons. You don't throw snowballs at demons.
0: But snowballs, it blessed our holy water in frozen form.
1: Right, but like it, the snowball, it might, it might bounce off them. It might not like Why? soak in. Because the water it soaks into like the
0: demon and yeah. it hurts but them more. It's here's the works. thing: when you're throwing, when you're hitting a demon with holy water, yeah. uh, you're not you're not gonna get the spread that you're gonna get, and the and you're not gonna get as much uh, unless you have like a fire hose of holy water. water. Ooh, okay. Okay. The snowball is gonna be able to deliver much more holy water than like mm. a holy water bottle. But
1: the thing is, what, and it's gonna what spread if, more like, over like, the like, demon? Yeah, but there's there's a problem with this. But also, going to bless, are demons uh,
0: corporeal?
1: Well, I mean, I got a few things with this. So, uh, like, if you're going into a house that's haunted or someone's possessed. Like, uh, the snowballs might not last very long if it's warm in that house,
0: right? Yeah, but if you've watched The Exorcist, you know that the room where the person's possessed tends to get really cold.
1: Oh, is that how that works? Hmm. So, are we are we thumbing? Are we giving the thumbs up for snowballs? Well, here's my uh, thing. Holy snowballs!
0: I thought. Th- what I, about salt, though? I, I, are we, I, re- I replied to him. I said, this is the most seminarian of questions. It's a great seminarian question. <laughs> it's like when you have too much time on your hands, as seminary. Like you should be doing a paper
1: yeah. or you should be uh, like studying. But instead of doing that, you're like, I can bless water. What happens if you freeze water and throw it at demons? It's a very seminarian question.
0: Yeah. and that, It brought me joy. Yeah. And we're having fun with it too. Yes. Cool. Well, let's uh, do uh, Patreon pontifications. <laughs> patreon pontifications you support us we read your tweets so please consider donating to our patreon money goes to paying for our equipment and podcast hosting fees as well as paying producer nick a just wage for all the work he does any money collected that goes beyond that will be donated to the missionaries of charity if you are part of our five dollar pastoral council tier or ten dollar church lady tier you have a chance at having your chosen tweet talked about on our podcast this week's uh, tweet is chosen by at Saint JMJ and the tweet is from at Celeste underscore C 7 a fellow Canadian by the way
1: whatever just read the tweets really yeah
0: <laughs> Really? That's, that's, perhaps someday North Americans <laughs> may be recalled for publishing the most books on faith and producing so few saints boom mic drop is what I would say to that
1: it's a great tweet. So, yeah. look, her, like, like Celeste Canadianness aside, we'll forgive her that. Um, this is a brutal critique about North American Catholicism. Yeah, because everyone's got a book, man. Every even you know priests writing book. Everyone's got a book, yeah. and like you look around for the saints, and you're like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see no saints. Mm-hmm. I see, um, you know, parish programs. I'm not seeing a lot of saints.
0: What's going on? Yeah, I know. I kind of it, she's she's it's this idea of I need to be popular instead of being a saint. I think and, uh, it's kind of behind that.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's some of that. Um, but also, like, what are the kinds of books on faith that we're having published? Right. Are they too self-helpy? Are they bending too low? Are they not challenging enough? Mm-hmm. Um is is the faith just this hobby and something that we can read about and spend free time on maybe but not something that radically transforms our lives right um yeah it's it's a really it's a very interesting critique to be honest i yeah. mean what is um that divide because it does seems like there's a lot Ugh. of books published on
0: the faith all the time uh, and I mean, part of it is it's it's I mean, listen, companies to stay afloat need to sell X amount of books. Right. And that's true too, they yeah. need to sell them because people are buying them. Mm-hmm. And I, so I wouldn't even put it so much on the side of the people who are publishing. It's it's that we've created a marketplace that says I need to have a lot of books. Now, this being said uh, from a guy who has like sixteen hundred books. Yeah. Right. So I do recognize I am the reason. I, people like me are the reason you there are, the are reason. lots of publishing companies. I have, I have probably through my book collection supported the salary of one person for an entire year at a book company, <laughs> <laughs> which is not a bad thing. You know, I can look at it that way. So, but I think that's the point. It's the, the books are she's not saying the books are bad things, obviously. Right. Right. But right. Right. Are we published? But
1: there's a, something there.
0: Yeah. There, I think there is too much publishing going on sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right but at the same time yeah what are we doing to encourage holiness and sainthood and if we're not chasing that and we're just chasing the writing yeah it's not wrong to write it's not wrong to you know i say this because i love to write and i'm mm-hmm. doing some writing now and stuff but it's yeah be a saint well thank thanks at saint jmj for for uh, choosing that tweet and to all our patreon uh followers and you know People like to read books, and the people who really. Uh, ah! I had a transition and now it's gone. Let's just go to Presbyteral Exhortations.
1: And now it is time for Presbyteral. Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably, mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn to oh, it's my favorite part. Oh, it's the oh, best oh, part. <laughs> yes. yes. Quite. Quite. Yes. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to totally suggest that we just cut that whole thing out and just give you another fresh start. That's the magic of
0: editing. Producer Nick would have done that for you. Should we, or should we just let that stand too?
1: Oh, now it's going to stand. Okay. Now it's going to okay. stand because, you know, <laughs> this is what's happening.
0: All right. So, uh, Father Anthony, we've just yes. talked about books and thinking and stuff like that. Like a bunch of nerds. Yes. What are your thoughts on thinking?
1: My thoughts on thinking? Yes. Um, <laughs> my thoughts on thinking.
0: I'm being very meta right now.
1: Are that... You can make it seem like you're thinking without thinking very well. Right. How, how would you do I think, that? I would say our uh, culture and Twitter especially, the value is not on thinking deeply, but the, the spectacle of looking like you're someone who thinks deeply.
0: Right. Okay. That's fair. And that's, I think that's, I, there's another way that's too, right? That's a really
1: good answer to a really weird question. I think we should acknowledge that before we move on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, continue.
0: I would add, I would just add to that too. Um, yeah. Where you might be someone who thinks a lot on things, but you don't know how to communicate it to other people, right? Mm. So you, you include your kind of intellectual word salad uh, where you're using all sorts of obscure words like ontological and metaphysical and ontic and all these fun philosophical words <laughs> that to someone who's formed in that tradition, it kind of makes sense, but to people in the large amount of crowds don't. And so when you read it, you're like, wow, this person must be really smart because they can use four syllable words a lot. Right. But um, I want to talk, so I-, I asked that though. So basically, because, yeah.
1: so basically any thread that Kevin underscore JG is in that isn't about lifting.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Boom. Continue. All right. So I, I was pondering this for two reasons. I- I'm not quite done it yet. Um, I've been reading uh, Sorab Omari's uh, book on his okay. little memoir on his conversion, uh, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, but um, so I've been reading that book and it's been really, what I've been finding very interesting about his whole take on, on, on this stuff is um, he's gone from that whole spectrum of someone who kind of came from Iran where he kind of rejected theism totally. Mm-hmm. towards his uh, plays with, he's fooling around with communism for a while. Mm-hmm. And then his, I, I'm just getting to the part now where he started to discover the reasonableness of faith. Mm. So there's that. The second thing is, one thing I've appreciated about Americans in general is they have this really great sense of um, the importance of public intellectual discourse or just mm. public discourse, period.
1: Sure.
0: Which I find really, really, really important, um, because you got like, it's because it's, it's not something that really happens in Canada. We don't have public intellectuals that much. We don't have people who can, who people where people will listen to these these different uh, people who have opinions on things, because they're actually thinking through the problem, and people want to hear that. That doesn't yeah. happen so much as Canada in Canada, and it's something I've always really appreciated about the American experiment. Uh, is you guys really appreciate these things. Yeah. But as someone who's a Catholic, I've also really loved the intellectual life. I mm-hmm. find the intellectual life stimulating. I find it important. I find it life-giving. I actually even find it helps me become a bit of a, it helps me on my journey towards holiness. Absolutely. So, so I want to talk a little bit today about the Catholic intellectual tradition. Um, what it means, what it doesn't mean. Um, Does it mean you have to be like, you know, reading Balthazar all the time and stuff like that? Um, (laughs) What does that mean? So I want to read a quote to you all from Fetus et Ratio by John Paul II. And he says this, this is his opening paragraph. Faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. And God has placed in the human heart, a desire to know the truth in a word to know himself so that by knowing and loving God, men and women may also come to the fullness of truth about themselves. Comments on that quote? That's a it's a good quote. I mean, that's
1: the, that's the famous one, right? Yeah. And that's what, like, even if you're not super familiar with that quote, even if you haven't read Fideas at Ratio, like this idea of faith and reason working together, the idea of faith and reason being two wings, is something that I think a lot of Catholics um, have mm-hmm. heard before. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's... Yeah, uh, and I th- there's a it's really important because and I'm sure you'll talk about this, but the intellectual life is not just for quote unquote intellectuals. Right. Intellectual life is not just for academics. Mm-hmm. Now, I would even argue that sometimes academics can really stymie and really um, block up the intellectual life mm-hmm. um, and kind of corner it and keep it from. What you said about intellectual life and holiness—it's mm-hmm. true. Um, we're all meant to live it in some sort of way.
0: Right. Cool. Yeah. So I—I this quote for a few reasons. Some of the ones that you just mentioned. The other—and it's something I've mentioned on the podcast before too—is that God has placed in the human heart a desire to know the truth. In a word, yeah. to know Himself. Right. Because this is the thing: we we treat truth again like a hammer, or it's just like this thing in the mind. Like it's just yeah. about knowing all these um, propositions. But no, it's actually about knowing a person. Mm -hmm. Truth is not just about propositions, though it concludes that, it's about knowing a person. And that God has put in our heart a desire for this, to contemplate it. This is why um, St. Thomas Aquinas goes really big into this idea that contemplation is the highest form of reason. Because it's giving us a place of receptivity to let God show himself to us. And so thinking about things, looking for the truth, which is in the end a person, It's kind of built into who we are as, as, as human beings. Yeah. And so we need to search for that. Now it doesn't mean we're all, like you said, it doesn't mean we're all going to become academics, right? Not everyone's going to be that way, but I've noticed that when the heart starts to turn towards Jesus, especially the heart starts to want more truth. Yeah. Right. I'll give an example for my own life. Okay. And then you can comment. Um, Mm -hmm. I just remember from prior to my conversion, I was going to school. I was even in my third year. I was finally taking philosophy. It was interesting to me, and I found the arguments neat and everything like that. But it wasn't until after my conversion that I actually really even started to read books. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and to actually have a hunger for these things. I still remember the first book I read was Scott Hahn's Lamb Supper. Ah, and classic, and it just kind of opened things up for me. Wait, this is interesting to me. And that it's worth knowing things just for their own sake because they're true.
1: It's, yeah, it's just nice knowing things. Like, yeah.
0: Sometimes things are just, they're pretty neat. Right. You see, because like that's that's part of our, our American experience, our North American experience, our Western experience wants to say it's only worth knowing if it's useful. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's about pragmatism. But the Christian tradition says, no, it's about, it, it, it's worth knowing because it's, it can be contemplated. It's worth knowing because just for what it is in and of itself. And that that's something beautiful and life giving, not in a pragmatic way, though it will often have pragmatic consequences because God's worth knowing just for his own sake and not for what he can do for us. So it's about, we have to, we have to search out things. We need to know about our faith. We need to investigate it. We need to think about um, what, what, Other people are arguing about to be able to answer their questions, et cetera, because it's the only it's it's an essential part to being a Christian.
1: Yes, yeah, I think especially when you bring it into the realm of contemplation. Yeah, uh, I think this is something that is how do I want to put it. There is this idea that age brings about wisdom. Right, and it's something that I disagree strongly with.
0: Oh, Uh, age brings. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No,
1: because age can give you experience. Uh, age can give you kind of knowledge, but it doesn't necessarily give you wisdom. Okay. What really brings you wisdom is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like, uh, youth doesn't give you wisdom. It might give you fresh perspectives. It might give you zeal and energy. It doesn't give you wisdom. Right. Because if you look at the truly wise saints, they're the ones, I mean, the saints are the ones that are close to Jesus Christ. You have um, Therese of Lisieux. Who died very young, incredibly wise
0: for her youth. How, how did you say Lezier again?
1: Of Légier. Légier?
0: <laughs> Légier.
1: <laughs> Therese of Therese <Légier>,
0: <laughs> of Oh, this podcast is going down fast.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, Lord have mercy. uh So, this is what happens when you stay up late on Twitter arguing for blowing up the moon is that the next day you're tired and it's hard to like get your thoughts in line (laughs) which is really the moon's fault for not being blown up already (laughs) so let's just put the blame where it deserves on the moon
0: these poor people okay anyways continue on
1: yeah so there's this idea that wisdom is only for those who have studied only and no 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 like jesus christ is a teacher right if you want to understand more deeply what's happening in the Eucharist, if you want to understand more deeply what your priest is talking about, hopefully he's giving you some kind of intellectual aspect to his homily. You find that in prayer, yeah, and that is available to everyone if you give it the time. Yeah,
0: and prayer in its highest form is always going to be contemplation, mm-hmm. which is not something we do, but it's actually a receptive thing, right? Yes. Um, it's actually interesting. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas makes a distinction in the rational faculty of the soul between the intellectus and the ratio he says right. the ratio the reason part of our self, breaks things down to understand them but the intellectus is purely receptive and just receives the thing as it is and just contemplates it and that's it yeah. now interestingly he says it's the intellectus the intellect that's actually the highest form of man The receptive part. Yeah, the receptive part. Mm -hmm. The reason part, that's our active part. But he says that's actually the highest form of reason is actually the contemplation, not the breaking things down. That's what we tend to see as reason. He says, no, no, it's actually in this pure receptivity of God, because God is truth. And so the way he communicates himself is through the intellectual aspect of the soul. By which we come to know him and to appreciate him, etc. So
1: it really it makes it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like how do you get the most uh, intellect, if you will, to put it like very crudely? Yeah, it's not by using your own powers. Exactly. It's by listening to God. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It yeah. Makes sense.
0: Exactly. So let's talk briefly about the relationship between faith and reason. Um, is faith is faith uh, unreasonable?
1: Faith is not unreasonable, but there is an aspect of it that transcends reason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, well. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you're good.
0: Go you're good. You're good. You're good. You're um, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's your answer. The end. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Now I'm thinking.
1: So yeah. Okay. Let me try okay. to comment on that a little bit more. Uh, because there's this aspect of, of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, and Bishop Robert Barron does this very well when he talks about like you can learn a lot about somebody but eventually someone starts talking to you and you have to trust in what they reveal about themselves Right. Um, so there are aspects of um, God and of truth that we cannot know simply by our own faculties that we cannot know simply by examining the world and studying it but Mm -hmm. God reveals these things to us and once he reveals these things to us it's like we enter this new upper chamber that we were not in before right But within that upper chamber, reason is still operative. There's still a reasonableness to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if you look at Trinitarian theology, while it is a mystery, while a lot of it transcends what we can understand, um, we can still talk about it reasonably. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, exactly.
0: And So that's the thing. Faith is always going to be something that's greater than reason, but it doesn't destroy, ignore, or put aside reason.
1: Yeah, because that would be that would be God destroying right. his own creation.
0: And this is something that uh, Pope Benedict talks a lot about in his Regensburg Address, right? Mm-hmm. Where he talks about the relationship between faith and reason. Is God reasonable? Um, can faith be reasonable? And he talks about it within the context of whether theology faculty should exist in schools, uh, yeah. right? In universities, I should say. And he says, yes, because uh, faith has a reasonableness to it that purifies purely natural reason. Uh, And that that even not just purifies it, but lifts it up, but lifts it up. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, and and so John Paul's quote, John Paul II's quote that we read at the beginning also then shows this kind of complementarity that in a way you can't have faith without reason, but you also can't have reason without faith. You have to have both Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. them to really be truly who they are meant to be. Um, Reasons important. And the intellectual life as the Christian is super important. By this, I mean, again, we don't mean academic. When we hear the word act intellectual, we always think, oh, you have to be an academic. Right. No, you don't. Um, the intellectual life is simply, I'm going to learn more about my faith. I'm going to go take a class. I'm going to go watch some YouTube videos. I'm going to go uh, read the catechism. I'm going to re-listen to Clerically Speaking because it's so there
1: good. There you go. I was waiting
0: for it. <laughs> I, by those, those of you who are listening to the podcast right now, you are building up your faith by listening to it. You're, you're building up your faith. You're, you're engaging in, in an intellectual exercise. See, how easy is that? You Good job, guys. You are super receptive, so you're contemplating every word that comes from our mouths.
1: <laughs> I'm beginning to feel uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so reason is important because if faith doesn't have reason, we fall into, we'd fall into a fundamentalism of the faith. Yes, We would fall into, we would actually have an impossible time to dialogue with the world because we would have to kind of usurp all things natural with just the things of grace. Yes. Right? Well, I mean, That's how you fall into superstition. Exactly. So yeah. reason, and God created us with reason, right? I, I've used this, I said this before, but um, my seminary professor once said, remember Jesus redeemed the all, all of you, including your brain, so use it. Mm -hmm. Right. So God, when Jesus is engaging in dialogue with the Pharisees and the scribes, he's arguing with them using scriptures and, and he's using the faculty of the intellect and the reason Mm -hmm. to engage in that. So it's a good thing to use, to use your head, but we're not all going to be Pope Benedict. Right. Right. We're all not going to be St. Thomas Aquinas. What a shame. It's sad, but it's the reality. (laughs) But it's about just saying, I want to learn more about my faith. Because if I think at the heart of it, if we don't want to learn more, it actually betrays a spiritual dullness of the soul. Because yeah. when you love someone, you want to know more about them, right? Mm-hmm. Think think of it this way, right? Like like you're using that that example of when you're talking when someone has to reveal themselves to you. When you meet someone, like let's say you're you're, you're dating someone, right? And you fall in love with them. You want to know everything about them. You want to know when they were born. You want to know what what makes them tick. You want to know what their favorite interests are. You want to know what you can have discussions with them about because you love them. Love uh, kind of sparks the heart to want to know more. Mm -hmm. And that, but we, we... it's funny because we don't think about this on human relationships, but when we do this with divine relationships, we think, Oh, I don't actually need to know anything about God. Like, I don't know about you how often I've heard the, fa- the phrase, well, I have faith is enough for me.
1: Yeah. it's frustrating. I just,
0: I just believe it. I don't need to know anything about it. Yeah. Right. That actually to me betrays the fact that actually maybe you don't love God enough. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm all caveats with that. Right. But,
1: to but me, yeah, there's something to that, there's, or there's, there's uh there's a fear there, or there's a woundedness there. Yeah. Uh, that's not, there's something, there's a block there that is not good. I think you can say that. Yes, um,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm just trying to get at. There's a block, yeah. right? So, um, we, we're not all, so we need to, to actually just learn about our faith. For some of us, it's going to be on a more popular level. For some of us, it's going to be on a more academic level. For some of us, it's going to be in between. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, the next question that kind of comes out for us then is, what do I do then to spark the search for truth? Do I need to read the Summa Theologica to 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 come to a deeper faith? Mm. What, what do you, What would you suggest, Father Anthony?
1: Yeah, um, I think that when it comes to this you need to listen to your own heart in this, Mm -hmm. because the deepest desires in your heart are placed there by God. So for some people, it will be, you will be entranced by an argument for God's existence, and that will draw you into um, the thoughts and the writings of Thomas Aquinas. For some people, they will hear something or uh, be confused about something with uh, maybe human sexuality, and that'll make you dive into the writings of John Paul II. Or for someone else, it will be um, something about the mystical, the spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And so you might go to Teresa of Avila. I think you follow what either is bothering you the most or what is entrancing you the most Mm -hmm. or what is confusing you the most. It'll be different for each
0: person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: That's my fancy way of saying, follow your heart.
0: Yeah, but but do something about it. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely do something.
0: Definitely do something. Read the scriptures more i guess yeah. where i get frustrated sometimes is where people are like and i i don't know i don't i'm not mad that people ask me questions it's a good thing they ask me questions and actually often when people are asking me questions that's usually a sign that something in their heart's been sparked mm-hmm. and it's a good thing but i'm also like how about i give you these these resources to go look at for, uh, you want to teach us uh, you want to teach it's better to teach people how to fish than to just give them fish right mm-hmm. so I like to give out resources to people like, okay, yeah, this is where you should go look this up. Wrestle with the question. Think, think about, can you come to an answer? Um, Read these things and if you're still confused, then we can talk about it, right? But try, because you want to build up the faculties of your mind to start to think things. One thing I always suggest to people with this quickly is always read a book that's more difficult than you can understand. Mm -hmm. Always. Doesn't mean, um, doesn't mean you have to, uh, again it doesn't mean you're going to necessarily read thomas or anything but um you might read like really basic stuff read something that's going to stretch you a little bit and you'd be amazed how it's frustrating at times but how much it's going to expand your mind for a deeper desire for the truth yes yes okay sorry
1: something you said about um not giving people the answers right away i think is really important yeah because there's this tendency and a temptation that i experience but i think uh, a lot of academics experience, but just people in general, mm-hmm. is that knowledge is something to be acquired. Knowledge is something to conquer. Yeah. You read the book to say that I have read this book. I, so I read this essay because I've, you know, I can say I've read this essay from Pope Benedict, and now that makes me smart. I've acquired this thing. Mm-hmm. And if you make knowledge just about acquiring things, then it becomes this very prideful and very superficial exercise. Right. That's, and, that, and that won't bring you joy. There should be a joy in the intellectual life. And that joy comes from exploring the mystery. That joy comes from the contemplation, from the struggle. Yeah. It's a part of that, of that game, of that wrestling with God. Being in that activity is good. Yeah. It's not about just checking boxes and saying I'm an ac- academic and I've, I read this many minutes a day. And that's really tempting. Mm-hmm. to step away from that also it's in that wrestling and not just the acquiring acquiring that gives you real wisdom and not just
0: knowledge of stuff right and i want to kind of go into that with all that then to like okay we're, we're gonna con- we're gonna wrestle with things and the people who tend to wrestle with these questions the most are, are two groups first i find it a lot at schools mm-hmm. when you go to like elementary schools especially with kids mm-hmm they've got the most fascinating questions so we've talked about this before on the podcast right they've got great questions that are always worth engaging with because their abstract thinking is getting uh is growing and they want to to know more for its own sake yeah. and it's a beautiful thing and it's a precious thing and i always get frustrated if i ever see anyone kind of squash that or say mm-hmm. oh it's not an important question yes it is and i'm gonna do my best to answer it mm-hmm. but the other thing is then it the other places i find with kind of quote-unquote young people, late teens, early young adults. My experience over and over again with young people who come to the faith or who have a conversion at some point of their faith life, there is always deep behind it a search for truth. I've yet to encounter anyone where this isn't either a precipitating cause or something that follows deeply upon the the moment of conversion. yeah. And it says something Bishop Barron's really been talking a lot about, right? He says, young people don't want to dumb down faith. Yeah. But this is where it gets hard because maybe for older generations, they don't, they just want to know the basics and that's kind of okay for them. And, And in a way there's, there's a beauty to that too, right? That they, um, in a way, but it gets hard because you're trying to reach out to those younger people but you want to not lose and not, when you're preaching or whatever, teaching that older crowd, but you want to preach to the people who you're trying to get into the doors of the church. Yeah. You know?
1: I, I don't think it's it's because older generations just want to know the basics. I think it's because they don't feel yeah. as lost right. as younger generations. Maybe
0: that's it, yeah. Because I, I, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying this is universal. I'm just saying... No, no, but there's no. a are broad gen- strokes gen- for sure. Yeah, broad strokes. But
1: I think the biggest problem is... The biggest struggle for us is finding people who don't know the importance of the question. Okay. Like once it's it's once you realize the the question of God or the question of faith or whatever question is, once someone realizes that's an important question, yeah, they're going to start this journey that will not end until they find a satisfactory answer. Yeah, absolutely. And some people don't realize the power of that question or the importance of the question, and they're the most difficult people to reach. Yeah. A lot of times. Young people are just discovering these questions for the first time, and it's new, and they think and feel and know it's important, yeah. and that's where the zeal comes from.
0: And there's something, I don't know about you, because when I, when I read stuff, for example, and I, I do love to read, and I find a new insight that I never thought about before, or someone puts a, an angle on something that I'd never thought about in that, from that perspective before, and it just kind of opens up a whole line of consequences for me in my head, that excites me. Yeah. like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, and then I want to read for 10 more hours after that, right? Because it's like, <laughs> yeah, this gave me life. Now I know this is not gonna be the experience for everyone, because not everyone's a nerd like me, but there is something important to feeding your faith weekly. And I would always say, try to have one book on the go that feeds your faith at all times, that helps mm-hmm. you come to know a bit more about things. You want to know more about what it means to be human. We'll read John, maybe read a book on John Paul II's theology of the human person. You want to know what, what the church's teachings on the sacraments are? We'll do that. Get a book on that. You want more history? Read that. Whatever it is, it's going to do you good, and it's okay to know it for its own sake. Mm-hmm. Young people have that intuition that it's worth, but because th- they also know that while the answer to it is not in and of itself practical, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Right, so okay, God exists. Yes, that's not a practical answer. Right, it's just a, it's just a truth. Yeah, I know now, but the consequences of that answer changes everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so young, young people really hunger and thirst for this, and it's, it's. I think we've failed. There's something Bishop Barron really kind of goes at. We've kind of failed in this regard a lot as a church we We kind of dump things down too much, yeah, and i I totally agree with him, and it's and i, I again I, I there's just I just see that there is a resurgence of this desire for the truth again, but not in a hammering way, but in a i want to know it for its own sake because it's beautiful and good and true, right right
1: yeah, I think it's and I think a lot of it is fueled by people who are realizing yeah. That the answers, the narrative, the story that is given to them by the world Mm -hmm. is utterly unsatisfying. Yeah. And they need something more. And there is something about truth. Um, Truth, objective truth, will always be satisfying. It's going to be good. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. And that's what makes it, that's what allows you to contemplate a thing just for itself because you want to look at it. Yeah. You want to gaze upon it.
0: Yeah. So, I got a lot more to say and I know it's been a little scrambled. I, I meant to have a bit more prep time than I did, but I want to kind of end quickly with something, a book uh, I've recommended before I've, and I think we're gonna do a presbyteral exhortate or a index on this one day. Uh, it's uh-huh. a book by Joseph Pieper called leisure, the basis of culture. I bring up this book for a couple reasons. First, I read it for the first time when I was doing my CPE class uh, just before going on internship
1: Oh, CPE you
0: read it for? No, I was just, well, why I was doing it, I didn't have to read okay. it for CPE. Okay, when I was real quick, like CPE uh, is? Uh, clinical Pastoral Education. So you're learning how to do hospital chaplaincy. There you go. Yeah. Um, I was on call one day or whatever, so I was reading the book and I couldn't put it down. Hmm. I was like, and I was like, dear Lord, please don't give me any calls today. And he didn't. And I finished the whole book <laughs> in a <the> day. Uh,
1: <laughs> dear Lord, please let nobody be sick or suffering. I really want to read this book right now. Exactly. And then Jesus was like, okay. Yep,
0: pretty much. <laughs> uh, this book changed my life. This book changed my life. Whew. I highly, highly recommend it. I've read it. I was telling Father Anthony before the podcast. I've read it five or six times now <laughs> because it's just that good. So he says this. He says, he says it's it's essential to begin by reckoning with the fact that one of the foundations of Western culture is leisure. That much, at least, can be learned from the first chapter of Aristotle's Metaphysics, and even the history of the word attests to the fact. The, for leisure in Greek is skole, and in Latin scola, the English word school. The word used to designate the place where we educate and teach is derived from a word which means leisure. School does not, properly speaking, mean school, but leisure. Mm. And he goes on to talk about what leisure is. It's about this idea of contemplation, not knowing things for their own sake. Or sorry, not knowing things for a pragmatic reason, but knowing things for their own sake. Yeah. And that that's actually the highest activity of human beings. And that's actually at the heart of Western civilization. Not just, this is not just a Christian thing. This goes back to the Greeks, yep. right? And it's something that we've continued on. And he actually goes on to talk about the Protestant work ethic with Max Weber's whole theory that actually work is the foundation of society and how we're, uh, kind of, we're formed by this. Mm-hmm. It's so, so good. And I really, right. really recommend the book. And I find it's actually, even for a, a book of philosophy, it's actually quite followable. So uh, I would recommend it to pretty much anyone.
1: Yeah. I just have to add a practical note before you finish up. Yeah. Um, There might be the question, okay, do I have to read books if I'm a Christian? And the answer is yes. Yeah. You have to either read or you have to listen. Yeah. Both are incredibly Catholic.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Because,
1: you know, in the early church, uh, there's a story, actually, later on in the church, there's a story, if it's not true, it should be, of saint ambrose ambrose baptized augustine yeah right yeah okay yeah yeah so he would spend time reading but because he knew not everyone could read he would read out loud in his church whatever he was reading yeah so people would just come and listen so this is all to say if you don't like reading my friends we have the technology we have audio books Do something to get that information in your head. Yeah. So you have to be reading. Every Christian needs to be reading something or listening to something, something good.
0: Yeah. So the whole book is really trying to uh, rediscover the importance of leisure. He has this actually really interesting quote towards the end. He says that perhaps the reason why purely academic has sunk to mean something sterile, pointless, and unreal is because the scola, that leisure that we were talking about, has lost its roots in religion and in divine worship. Because where's the place where you have the most direct encounter with the highest good? In worship and that holy sacrifice. This is the whole thing. He actually puts the intellectual life within the heart of of worship and liturgy. And that to be um, a reasonable person, you have to offer worship. And it's a brilliant book because that's the whole point of this. We're trying to form ourselves to be worshipful in Paul's letter to the Romans uh, verse chapter 12, verse one, therefore offer your spirits, offer your spirits in a whole, I'm kind of paraphrasing. So I don't have it in front of me in a holy, which but he says, offer your, offer your bodies as a worship to God, which is your reasonable worship. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what Paul's getting at that. We're by by forming our minds and our souls, by searching for truth, we're actually perfecting ourselves for a more appropriate and better worship of God, which is at the heart of who we are. So to be an intellectual or to be in the intellectual life or to be searching for truth is not something that we just do just because it's uh, it's a nice thing. We do it because it's good to know these things for their own sake. But we also do it because by it, we actually become better worshippers, which is what we are created for. And by doing that, uh, well, there's no better. We're contemplating the truth, which is God himself.
1: Mm.
0: So um, that kind of concludes it for me. Do you have any last comments? Uh, No, I'm just
1: interested to hear what uh, Tommy has to say about this.
0: Okay. Tommy looks like he's busy reading the Summa thanks to what I just said. So probably oh let's not bother, him, then. Let's just, bother let, him
1: let us give him the
0: leisure time to just yep. read the rest of this exactly. Summa. okay. So so thanks for listening. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me at FR Harrison on Twitter. Thank you. You can find me at Father Scirappa on Twitter. And you can email us at clerically speaking, or sorry, clerically speaking at gmail.com. And you can find our podcast on Twitter at Clerical Pod. So thanks for listening and God bless. Peace.